Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back to episode six of the Night Report podcast. Got the whole gang back together this week. Uh, Richie Schneiderite, Chris Nolaski. How's it going, guys? No game to talk about, but plenty of stuff to get into in this episode. Yeah, uh, glad to be back. It's going to be a, an interesting one, I guess. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We do. Yeah, I missed I miss you guys last week. And as we just started this, they are mowing the grass outside. So it's pretty loud. I hope you hope. Hope nobody else can can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, hopefully not, but we'll be fine either way. Uh, so again, like we said, a lot of stuff to talk about this week. I think the first thing we should talk about, though, is uh, Richie. You got a scoop on the basketball scrimmage versus Villanova. Uh, it sounded like they did pretty good for a team against a team that's going to be top five this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, apparently they won based on what I heard. Um, Ron Harper led all scores. I'm trying to pull up my. Uh... My little stat sheet I got over here, apparently, that quote-unquote uh, unofficial stats. Okay. So, apparently, Ron led all scorers. I'll say. He led them with only 13 points, though, which was kind of interesting. But the fact that they that was the leading scorer tells me that this team was playing hell of a lockdown defense against arguably – or not, I shouldn't even say arguably. At this point, they are a top-five team mm-hmm. in the country in Villanova. Um, apparently, Cliff looked very, very good. Word is double-double. I'm not going to – say it didn't happen but according to the numbers double double so i mean um other than that really good team effort it seems like up and down there was guys scoring left and right um baker hyatt Jaden, other top three scores um that, i mean the, the numbers like i don't want to reel too much because i don't know how like i've done a lot of digging on this one and it took me like i want to say a week and a half two weeks after the scrimmage to actually find out something but the fact that we found out that Rutgers apparently like played really well, played really good defensively, won the game, and everyone contributed. This is this team is gonna be good this year. I'm very confident in that, especially after watching that practice too. They they just look a lot better, a lot faster, a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. And then on the defensive end, I think you'll see the old Pike teams of the past, and this rebounding is gonna be very very good this year. Yeah, I think it's and more. That was, and that was a big emphasis of um, you know, I mean, it was about rebounding. Uh, you know, Rutgers, you know, they didn't really in in Pico's first couple of years, they they rebounded very well. They were a scrappy team. They they fought, you know, for every ball. And and last year they kind of got they kind of got away from that. And then that actually ruined their game against Houston in the NCAA tournament. And um yeah, I think I think everyone's bought in. It's it's pretty, pretty, you know, tall, tall team all around, which I'm sure will help. And uh yeah, but yeah, Richie, uh, you know, great job on that on that scoop there. Uh, really good to see, you know, Rutgers playing really well and against a team like Villanova, different type style than what they'll see in the Big Ten, too. So it's interesting. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but Villanova's played two scrimmages this uh, preseason. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <clears throat> one against Rutgers, one against uh, Duke. Mm-hmm. They had a whole highlight video from their Duke scrimmage. And, you know, the Rutgers-Villanova scrimmage was basically played in Fort Knox. Is that more of a Pike <laughs> thing to keep that quiet? Or is that more of a Duke thing to get publicity for it? I don't know. I think I honestly think uh, it was a Duke video, right? If I recall correctly, yep. so that's more on Duke's part. So I would assume if Rutgers wanted to post stuff, they probably could have. Um, I think this is Pike just kind of being 
kind of tempering expectations because like you, as much as you want to build that hype the hype is kind of being built through the media and that's kind of like like the shit i posted like the shit i just talked about that's mm-hmm. kind of going to help build the hype quite a bit but you don't want anything to spiral like crazy out of control like yeah if they did they, apparently they beat the number five team in the country you kind of like want it to go sneak out a little bit towards the fan base but you don't want it getting out out there and then everyone's gonna be like oh what the fuck like villanova villanova sucks or Rutgers is great like Mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of a temper expectations for now and then see what happens. And then uh, it's, I guess we just got to wait until November, what, 6th, 8th, whatever it is. Uh, November 10th. Yeah. 10th. Jeez. Uh, I think I'm so, so yeah. off. I was reading the women's schedule before. I think that's <laughs> the 8th. Yeah. That's going to be such a crazy crowd. And those seniors really deserve to have just an entirely raucous season, every game at the rack. Uh, I'm so happy for Gio. I'm so happy for Ron. I'm so happy for Caleb just to actually get that final ride that they deserve. I mean, technically, Ron, Ron's technically a junior. I know. Yeah. He, I already talked to him. He's, he basically told me he's not coming back, but like, yeah, <laughs> but technically a junior. Right. I'll throw it out there. You never know. You never know. Never say never, as Mike Tomlin said, but never. Um, <laughs> another big news item that we kind of alluded to a couple episodes ago was uh, Rutgers Athletics uh, chase for their first big uh, Big Ten team title. And uh, Rutgers women soccer pulled it off. They got their first regular season uh, big uh, Big Ten t- uh, team title. Uh, they went undefeated. Hey, you sound like year. James Franklin. You okay over there? I know, right? <laughs> uh, they're going to play this weekend at the Big House. Uh, they're worried about. They're not worried about Wisconsin. They're worried about Indiana. But uh, yeah, undefeated in the regular season. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the the uh, women's Big Ten tournament, guys. Uh, they play on Sunday versus Wisconsin. Uh, they could potentially host every game at home, right? Yeah, a really, a really, really good job by the women's soccer team there. Um, I remember when I was at Rutgers, they had a really good season in 2015, and you know, kind of ever since then, they kind of they kind of built it up, you know, really well. Um, Michael Neal, obviously undefeated this year. Yeah, actually, uh, Greg Shiano um, talked about you know the women's you know team the other day on Monday, you know, congratulating them. And how, you know, he likes to, you know, kind of talk to the coaches and visit other practices and see how they coach and, uh, and, and teach things. So, uh, yeah, really good job by the women's soccer team. They're 15-2, 10-0 in the Big Ten. That's an unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, number one seed, obviously, in the Big Ten tournament coming up. And uh, the ranked, I want to say last I saw was number nine or six. I think six, six now. Yeah. Six now, okay. okay. Uh, so, yeah, obviously a really good, really good team. They, they, they're scoring the ball really well. And uh, they're and and they're still you know playing defense like they're like they have been. So, so someone's got to explain to me how the hell the number two seeds on TV and the number one seeds on BTM Plus. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's like a URAC issue because like obviously it's kind of old and probably a little bit difficult to film and all that and get the right connections. But mm-hmm. I, I don't like how like three thirty p.m. same exact day, Big Plus three o'clock p.m. same exact day BTN. But, right. I, someone's going to explain know. that one to me. I don't, I don't get that. I don't know. Maybe it has to do with like a better matchup possibly, but yeah, I agree with that. You like you, you know, I'm sure if it was like Michigan or something, they'd be, you know, on TV. So like I'm trying yeah, to Rucker know. seems to get the, the short end of the stick with the BTN programming. Right. Uh, and I refuse to pay for BTN plus maybe I'll, you know, crack next yeah. year or something, but I, I, I will say the Rutgers BTN plus broadcast <laughs> is I would say by far the best out of all the big 10 schools. Um, they do, you know, the camera's clean. They have, you know, com- they have, you know, commentators. I remember one time I watched an Ohio State home game playing against Rutgers, and there was nothing. There was just, you know, one camera. It was it was just awful. And uh, 
but Rutgers does a really good job. So I mean, either either way, you'll see a good, you know, yeah. clean broadcast. But it is interesting though. Like, so someone's got to get an answer to that. I might actually have to text someone and find out. But like, that's that just I don't know irks me a little bit. I guess. Can't <laughs> yeah, report back for the next episode. <laughs> there you go. Uh, another issue that uh, you kind of. Posted about today, Richie, uh, CBS still is not with the team. Uh, we're now a couple weeks away from the start of the season. Uh, tell us what you're hearing there, and should we be concerned this might be it? She might miss the whole season? Um, I don't know in terms of the whole season. You would think ideally she would come back. I mean, she, at the end of the day, like, I know it's a tough situation based on everything that's happened over the past year, year and a half. I guess we're mm-hmm. almost on two years at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I get it based on reports from like NJ.com. She's doing most of this for her daughter staying home because of the COVID and all that, which I get at the end of the day, but at then like you still need a coach. I know Eatman is definitely filling in pretty well. He's, he obviously is pretty good when it comes to at the podium. We don't know, I guess, I guess we actually do know how he is. Yeah, as a he's, coach. He's, just coached, he's, he's coached quite a bit. Yeah. He's uh, filled in quite a bit for her over the time yeah. that he's been there for the past, what, three years, four years at this point, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Chris looks like he's drinking whiskey down there. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's just some ginger ale. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be mad if you were. It's one fifteen, yeah, five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, no judgment. It's five o'clock somewhere. It's all good. Well, it's I didn't good. know we were doing this, so I went and grabbed the beer at this point. <laughs> it's close to Friday. Um, anyway, <laughs> back to the CVS stuff. Yeah, they they need a coach. Um, I based on what I was told today, it doesn't sound like she's going to be there for the season opener. Is it concerning? Yes, but again, out of conference play kind of sucks. So I mean, it's like whatever. Wait till a big game, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be weird? Is it going to be weird with a whole new team and now her finally coming back in the middle of this season? Like I, I don't know how the chemistry will be there. Um, based on the fact that it's same, the same exact assistant coaches that she had last year, you would think it's kind of the same stuff that she would run regardless. But I don't know. This is a weird situation, and I think it's it's at the point where I think you, if you're Pat Hobbs, you kind of don't want to touch it because it's such an iffy situation but I, I do think you're gonna have to make a move sooner or later whether that's to let her stay off for the year or announce that she's gone for the year or just kind of you can't force her into retirement but like yeah. something's yeah. got to be done like can i, I put my tinfoil hat on here for a second there you go there you go all right let's tinfoil hats on <laughs> last season all right she's not vaccinated mm-hmm. she had a covid outbreak on the team okay. she coached the whole season Mm. this offseason what happened she got a contract now she's not with the team she's using all of her time off the only thing i see that's changed is she got her extension i mean this has to call a lot of things into question as to her intentions both last year and this year if you weren't vaccinated last year you're not vaccinated this year the if anything the threat has gone down from last year to this year yeah why is it all of a sudden a big issue for you i'll take my hat off and let you guys respond to the conspiracy (laughs) i I mean that the, I, the conspiracy theories are like there's so many of them on the boards between that between everything people are posting i you have to think a little bit towards it at this point um there's there's really no excuse i get it like you could use your sick time i guess as much as you want really but I, what's the difference between coming back now and coming back in i don't know december january february at this point if you come back in february you might as well just stay home at that point but <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's such a tough call. And like I said, with Pat Hobbs, like the guy's made so many great hires. You probably trust him to make another for women's basketball. Heck, maybe it's even Tim Eatman for all we know, but I, I don't know. You have to eventually make a decision. And 
with the season coming up in a week, at least make an announcement and say like, Hey, she's not coming back in the story. Or right. she's not coming back for this season. We'll figure out next season and go from there. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's it, a, it's definitely interesting. And they have a and they have a lot of new players on the team this year. A lot of, a lot of transfers that came on board and I'm sure they were kind of looking forward to playing, I guess, you know, four stringer. That's, you know, one of the main reasons why they came out, I would assume. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. Definitely, you know, a, touch, a touchy subject as we're talking about, but yeah, I agree with Richie that, you know, something, a decision has to be, you know, made at one point or another, you know, the season's only a couple of weeks away and uh, you know, with her not being back yet, it's definitely not a good sign. And, um, you know, obviously, you don't want any more distractions on the team also. So, Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll see how that plays out over the next coming weeks and months. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a distraction. Hopefully they get a res resolution soon. Um, I don't know if you guys all saw this, if you're listeners, but we had a thread on the board uh, asking for questions for this podcast. Uh, so we did get a handful of responses here. And I'm just going to fire them at you guys. And you it. guys can uh, take them as you want. So the first question comes from RMM123. And they, he wants to know, how do you think the 22 class rounds out and who could be next for the 23 class? Ooh. Pretty broad question there. Are we just going to go quick like with this? Yeah, let's go. Let's, if we if we really want to you know, expound on the topic, we can. But I think most of these can be answered. All right. Quickly. 2022 class. Um, Ignosin, close, maybe. Between him, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Rutgers, um, potentially could come back. I still think Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. Other than him, Mike Higgins, tight end out of Blair. Rutgers is the biggest offer by far. He's a legacy. His dad played baseball, et cetera. We went over this last, his last podcast. Um, I could see him committing any, any day now at this point. Uh, Zion Williams, DB out of DeMatha. Rutgers is still pursuing him. I expect him to take an official visit after the season. And 2022, done at that point. Probably transfers. 2023, probably Eric King, uh, St. Peter's Prep offensive guard. Big, massive guy. Pretty good. Um, needs to work on his footwork a little bit. Kind of a little slow, but he'll, he'll be fine. He'll figure it out. Probably a top 10 kid in state at the end of the day. I don't know where he is currently. I think he might be pretty close. I'm trying to pull up. But, um, yeah, he's, he's probably the main one I'd watch out for in 2023. There's no quarterback offers yet. They're always the first to commit, but I don't know what the hell is going to happen there. Marco Lanes is right down the street. You'd think you'd probably offer him. I don't uh, – the only reason I could see them not offering him so far is just because he does lack a little bit of power behind the ball. But that's – yeah, that's all I got. What was the second question? I don't even remember. Uh, so his – that was that was the, the first part of his question. Oh, uh, okay. So you, <laughs> you answered the third part as well. He's got three here. Oh, okay. uh, so the second part is what's the long-term plan for Gleason and the RU offense and how does Wimsett get incorporated in that? I guess if you're – if we're trying to like really – you know, narrow this question down, like what is a good place to look for like comparison to what Gleason wants to do with Rutgers? That's, that's a tough one. Um, I, I mean, honestly, the best way to like look for what an offensive coordinator is trying to do is look at their past and previous jobs, what they did there. I wouldn't look anywhere near that Oklahoma state job just because it's Mike Gundy's offense. It doesn't matter who the hell's there. They're running his offense. Um, they did run the ball a shit ton when he was there. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, they had, they had Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, so. he had, what, 2,000 yards or some shit? Right, and he's down in the NFL. Yep. So. Yeah, um, he's kind of screwing me over in fantasy because, you know, McCaffrey, <laughs> whatever. It is what it is. Um, yeah, I look towards Gleason's, like, Princeton days. He got a little creative here and there, trying to do just about anything. A lot of pre-snap uh, movement. 
you didn't see as much this year, but um, ideally when you have a good offensive line, you'll see a ton of pre-snap movement. He's trying, if you look at the schemes, he's trying fucking everything at this point. This offensive line is really bad and they need help, but you're not going to get it obviously right away. So he's trying to do anything and everything to move guys around, to add another tight end as a blocker, to do whatever it takes to just give Vedral at least a couple seconds to throw the ball. Um, as far as what was, oh, uh, the Wimsat thing. He's, he's not playing this year. People got to get over it. Maybe he'll play like a series or two just to get his feet wet a little bit, but he's, he's my starter next year. If I'm Rutgers, if I'm Gleason, he's starting day one. He's better than anyone else you have on the roster. Vedral's going to be your safety net. God forbid something does happen in what year six, year seven of Vedral at this point. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's pretty much. Oh, and the third one was the transfer portal, but we kind of answered. Yeah. We, we talked. I don't know how many. Ad nauseum. I don't really know. Yeah. Look for offense, defensive line as the, the main trenches. targets from yeah, base what we trenches, talked trenches, previously. Trenches. Probably yep. a cornerback, too, at some point. Maybe a safety. Mm-hmm. Yep. Depends um, how much these younger guys are developing or not. So Absolutely. We'll yep. Uh, anything basketball is another comment. We just had a whole podcast about basketball. We talked about it at the start. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, I, one of you guys are a Heisman voter, right? Yeah. Okay. So who do you think is going to win the Heisman first? And let's get our playoff uh, four. Let's get a prediction for the who makes the uh, Chris, you want to go first or what, what do you want to do here? Uh, sure. Yeah. Heisman, uh, Rich is the Heisman voter, but I'll take a spot for now. Uh, I'll go. Uh, I don't know. Maybe somebody like a, uh, actually, I don't even know. I don't really pay attention to the Heisman stuff, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Probably someone from the SEC or like you know, Michigan State running back has done really well. Yeah. Uh, but you'll probably see a quarterback at some point. Uh-huh. See, this is where it's <laughs> tough. Like I, I'm, I looked at odds probably yesterday or the day mm-hmm. before, just just checking out like who's where. You know what? I'll do I'll do that now, and I'll and I'll come back to it. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I think Bryce Young's still at the top. I don't yeah. like Bryce Young as the Heisman right now because I do mm-hmm. think Matt Corral's putting up a hell of a year at Ole Miss, and it's hard to. He's kind of tailed off though. He's he doesn't. He's got like two touchdowns or less in like four straight games. Yeah, but I, the sleeper, you got to respect. You got to respect the sleeper in the Jersey Jersey native and Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett yeah. putting up. Really good game. Man, that decision not to take him is looking better and better after each year. I know, right? Chris <laughs> Ash, man. Uh, every podcast, just a slight, like, little dig at Chris Ash. And it's just like, what the <laughs> hell happened? In there. Yeah, he's in, he's in, he's improved greatly over his past, other, over his past yeah, you know, four I, I years or so. Uh, I didn't expect this year at all. And then, you know what mm-hmm. the thing that stings the most is that, like, you saw his touchdown the other day, and his touchdown throw was to Sear Mac. And it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, yikes, oh. like another one. Like, oh. Yeah, ex- and uh, he was, and Mac was committed to Rutgers too, so it makes yeah. And you, you <laughs> also, thing. you also have to respect what like CJ Stroud's doing at uh, Ohio State now. Like he's turned it around quite a bit since that Oregon loss. He's looked really good. I know, like he hasn't played anyone really good. I think it was Rutgers, Akron, and Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maryland definitely, Rutgers definitely, yeah. Yeah, and I think Akron was in between there too, or somewhere, or whatever. But um. Yeah, I, I think you kind of always probably go quarterback for Heisman. It's going to be really tough for a guy like Kenneth Walker to get up there, but he is he's putting up numbers too. Trayvon Henderson looks phenomenal, and he he might make a little bit of a push. Mm-hmm. But but I do yeah, think I, it's. A I would say if Walker's going to make a push, though, this is a great time to do it this weekend against Michigan. Everybody's going to be there. Like I think like all the major networks are like having their game day experience there this year. I saw that. That's kind of weird. Like, uh, do you see the meme or the little gif on uh, Twitter? It's is like that the, the, uh, the Anchorman? Um, Anchorman, yeah, the yeah, news team. Like, oh, when yep. the PTN crew meets the uh, college game day crew, and it's just like, what? <laughs> that's, that's perfect. But uh, Barstool's going to be there too. Shout out Barstool. Are they going to be? I didn't notice that. Yep. I didn't check that one yet. That's going to be yep. interesting just because they have such a 
goddamn big Michigan homer. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll see. But uh, what was the other question? Was it playoffs? The other question was, uh, it said playoff ranking, but who do you guys think are going to make the four teams in the CFP? Cincinnati wins out. I don't see how they don't. Like, they're going to make yep. it. Georgia's fucking good. Like, they're mm-hmm. really good. And they have a backup quarterback. Oh, it's, it's uh, they're so good. And they're getting George Pickens back soon, from what it sounds like. I, I do they're think two SEC, two SECs probably make it again, depending on – I don't know. If Bama loses to Georgia, it's like – it's tough. Like, you put a two-loss Bama team in there. I don't think a two-loss Bama team makes it. No. But I, so, I think loss. a Big Ten team, whether it's Ohio State, Michigan, yep. or Michigan State, one of those three is going to make it. Then you got Cincy. If they go undefeated, it makes it. That's two. Probably Georgia, three, and then four. I, I hate the Big Twelve. I hate to hate to do it. Mm. I, I know if Oklahoma's undefeated, they go, they get in. But I hate the Big Twelve so much. Like it's just they're not fun to watch. Wake Forest, no. watch out for Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I agree with those picks. Um, I think I think if Cincinnati wins out, you know they'll get in. Georgia's, uh, you know, playing really well right now. They're obviously mm. number one. Uh, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, they all have a chance. I uh, know obviously Ohio State has the one loss, but um, they could obviously, you know, still, you know, win out the rest of the way. Um, you know, they have all three of those teams have a good chance. They all, you know, play each other coming up. Uh, Oklahoma, like you said, uh, the Big 12, uh, they haven't have really looked the best this season. You know, they've kind of been hot and cold a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, you know, um, Wake Forest is a team coming up. Uh, like you said, um, you know, Oregon could, could potentially come back, you know, for the Pac-12. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Still, still got a couple weeks to go though. College football is fun this year. No, no, yeah. like no true, like powerhouse, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, Georgia's really good, but it's like, it's just nice to see someone other than Bama up there. Yeah. It's, you know yeah, what? That's one thing. Yeah. I hope, yeah. I hope you get some, some new teams in the playoff this year, you know, makes it, makes it a little more, you know, a little yeah. more parody. I, mean, I don't think sure. I didn't think Clemson would be this fucking bad. Jeez, yeah. yeah. I don't know if you've like, seen like the advanced numbers on that DJ. I don't even want to try and attempt to ukulele. say his last name. Yeah, yeah, DJ Ukulele. Uh, he's like in terms of uh, EPA, he's like the second worst quarterback in the FBS this um, year. I could speculate who the first is. I'm not going to go there though. I'm going I'm to hold. It's back. actually not who you think it is. It's <laughs> not our guy. He's he's above him. So is Graham uh, Mertz, who we've kind of shit on a bunch. Oh, he's uh, fuck him. Yeah. I want to say it's like the Toledo quarterback or something. Oh, they, but, they, I don't know what the hell happened there. Jason Campbell's on the hot seat all of a sudden. Yeah. It's made, they, people wanted him as Rutgers there. coach a year ago, two years ago, whatever it was. <laughs> That's now why these guys got to make the jump if they get a chance. I, uh, yeah. Uh, unless, they you're, um, a chance here, but. unless you're Luke Fickle and just stay and get paid a shit ton to rock a Cincinnati jersey. <laughs> yeah, he's also got a little bit more incentive to stay now that they're going to be in the Big 12. He doesn't have that yeah. same, like, you're going to be stuck in this, you know, morgue of a conference yeah. the, the cool thing is is that uh, it should be an interesting offseason for the big 10 just because there's there could be a lot of like a big coaching carousel mel tucker's rumored with people yeah. James franklin's rumored with people scott frost still has a job somehow um who else i'm trying to think uh paul christ is kind of getting on the hot seat a little bit he kind of sucks uh um, yeah the big announcement i, I mean it already ha- it's franklin claims it happened in the summer or in September or whatever, but he changed agents to like basically the biggest agent Jimmy in Sexton. college football, Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton. So he's either going to get a massive raise, which is kind of what you've alluded to at Penn That's State, or he's probably going to leave. It's really I, I one just, of only two options. I just don't know where USC goes. Like it's such a weird 
yeah. job. Like either you you're in the Pac-12 number one, where that sucks. Um, like they're not even in the conversation. We were just talking about college football teams, and they're not even like, oh yeah, Oregon's up there, but they're not in the conversation at all for the playoff. Like, and they haven't been in the conversation in terms of like high national rankings in like since probably Matt Barkley. Like, remember when they were number one yeah. his senior year, and he like completely shit the bed. He went from yeah. like the number one draft prospect to like a fourth rounder because of how bad that season was. And they, they always have a good quarterback apparently. And then they go to the NFL and then they suck. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. 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 But at the, at the same time, USC is still USC. You, you know, you'll still recruit well, you know, That's great the, school. There shouldn't be an excuse at that point. You're a top five recruiting class every right. year. Like, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. It's not like they've had a fall off in recruiting. They've been recruiting well. They just haven't been developing guys and putting yeah. them on, so, on the field and winning games. So whatever. Uh, next question is, what are your best and worst case scenarios for the rest of the season? I mean, I'll take the worst case. They lose every game. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think best case is? Uh, best case, obviously, would be to reach a bowl game uh, and win three of the last five games. Um, I'm going to be a double downer and say, obviously, they, you know, I, I don't know. I don't I don't see them getting, you know, three more wins. Uh, the offensive line's in flux right now. Shiano. At the beginning of the season, said you know Rutgers or the offensive line will take Rutgers as far as far as the team will go, and you know it really, you know this is you know you see the offensive line the way they played, and you see how Rutgers is playing overall. Um, they still have you know winnable games, you know Indiana, they have Illinois this week, uh, but you know even you know Maryland at the end of the year, um, it's definitely interesting that Northwestern loss just kind of you know put a put a little damper on the season. I know they were missing a lot of guys there, um, you know the coaching you know, was, you know, not the best, I, you know, I guess you could put it in that one. Um, but, you know, they still have winnable games in the schedule. And Shano, you know, even said Monday, and the players said on Tuesday that they still have a chance to rate the rest of the season. Uh, they, you know, they still have their chance. But, um, you know, it's right in front of them. And, you know, they, they have to play well. They have to play better. Guys got to get healthy and come back and, you know, make some noise. So, so yeah, I mean, worst case, we, we all just talked about, but, the more and more I look at it, this is a team that hasn't scored more than – I don't count the extra Cole Schneider touchdown in garbage time. Mm-hmm. So, it is a team that hasn't scored more than one touchdown in these in a Big Ten game this year. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's bad. And Chris, they, I think you wrote this up. They don't have, like, a single rushing touchdown in the last – like, is it this yeah. season or how uh, long in, has it been? In Big Ten play, they had no Big rushing touchdowns. Play. And they, uh, they're at 11.5 points per game in conference it's, play. Yeah. It's, I mean, they played, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State which are all ranked in the top 10, but um, that's that's pretty bad. Too. I mean, the injuries in the offensive line has a lot to do with that, that. That's the thing. They scored more against those three teams than they did against Northwestern. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's bad. I mean, yeah, they ran 107 yards on uh, Michigan, too. So, it's like there's there's no excuse for the, the lack of running game. I don't know what the hell is going on back there. I get it. Like, offensive line plays a big factor there, but, like, it's it's been dog shit. Like, it's so, so, who would – so I know Shano, you know, still said on Monday that they don't have a set offensive line. So, but like, if you were, if you were, you know, in, in New York, Sean Gleason, Greg Shiano, who would, who would your starting five be on the offensive line? Assuming health? Or assuming just assuming right everyone's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. That's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, there's been so many guys that seemingly have regressed this year sure. that it's tough to know, like what their true talents are at this point. Like, if you would have told me that Raquan O'Neal wouldn't be a starter halfway through this season because of not because of injury concerns, just because he hasn't been playing well, I wouldn't have believed that. Like, 
he's been like our most experienced offensive lineman. If you would have told me Brian Felter wouldn't play at all this year, yeah. I wouldn't believe that after last year. Like, so who knows like how much of this is scheme and how much of this is like guys are just showing their true selves at this point. So, yeah. so Chris, you said pending health or everyone healthy? Uh, if, if everyone's, you know, healthy, yeah. Everyone's yeah. fully healthy. Oof, that's... Um... I'll start with Sutton. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sutton's got to be one of your guards, at least. I don't know if you put him at left guard or right guard, just trying to fix stuff. Tackles, I I don't know. Raekwon's okay, but, like, he, like every time you talk to him, like, he doesn't seem like a mean type of dude. I want right. that guy that's going to be, like, punching that defensive lineman right in the fucking chest. Um... <laughs> I can't, can't help myself. Um, I don't – Kremlin, I guess you start just because he's the experienced veteran over Zelenskis. Zelenskis will get there, I think, and I think he might actually be better than Kremlin. But I think Kremlin's probably your starter. I might even try – I know Kremlin's slow, and you might, I might even try him at the other guard spot just because, like, Pallion hasn't looked too good either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just – okay, so left to right, I'd probably go oh, – it's a tough one. Ordner or O'Neal. Probably go O'Neal. I know O'Neal's the nicer guy. So I'd go O'Neal. I'd go Sutton. I'd go Felter. I need Felter's got to be in the top five. I'm, I'm like, right. I'm kind of over this this stuff. Like, I get it. He's smaller, whatever. He's the better offensive lineman, clearly, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, right guard, Crimin, or maybe flip flop, left and right guard. I don't know. You could just kind of mix and match. Right. And tackle, the right tackle, I like Holland Pierce. I think Holland Pierce could be really, really good. And he's shown glimpses. He just needs to figure it out a little bit he's only yeah. technically a freshman still he's a preferred yeah. walk on it's not like he had like this crazy good like training schedule beforehand right I've, i think i think with pierce i think you know he put in he put in all the work to you know lose the weight and get in shape uh i do think possibly you know he's playing a little bit too early uh, i know the staff was high on him uh, but really they don't have you know anybody else to go to so i mean he's getting all the experience so i mean i'm sure he'll be better for it um, if I if I had a starting five, I would still go with O'Neal at left tackle. I'll go with Pierce at right tackle. Um, I'll have Sutton in there at guard. Um, and like and like honestly, I think I would put you know Crimin at one of the guard spots also, and either Gus or Felter at center. I think I think we both kind of have the same line there. But you know, Sadrice has been by far not the worst offensive lineman by any stretch in the mean this season, and it's kind of weird, intriguing that you know Ireland Brown started last game. Um, you know, he just, he just moved over and, you know, he started and put in Cedric, you know, obviously, you know, hasn't, you know, I was actually looking at a pro football focus grades the other day and Cedric was like, not, you know, he was like near the top of the, for the offensive line. So it's, it was very interesting. You know what? Uh, let, me, let me redo this real quick. The more I think about it, I'm putting Bordner at guard. Mm. I'm putting Bordner guard? center. So it's going to be from left to right, O'Neal, Bordner. Felter, and I hate to do this to Krim, but um, Sutton, Pierce. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the best offensive line because Bordner looked pretty decent at guard last year, the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they tried, yeah. To, tried him at tackle occasionally. It was a week weird like switch last season, end of last season. Yeah. yeah. And that was probably out of necessity. But he did pretty good last year, I thought. He did. I was high on him coming into the season. Uh, like it's kind of it's kind of disappointing seeing him not play as well, but yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I actually I think that would probably be the better line. And maybe mm-hmm. you could probably flip flop Kremen and Felter, but whatever. Um, based on experience or based on who's a better run blocker, pass blocker, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think O'Neal, Bordner, Kremen, Felter, whatever, and then Sutton uh, Pierce. I think that's probably your best five at this moment. Okay. 
There you go. Yeah. So All right, there you go, Greg Chiano. There goes your backup. <laughs> like your backup line is screwed now. Now it's like, oh shit. Like, right. Yep. Right. Everyone stay healthy, please. Yeah. I mean, obviously you don't have Sutton now, so I kind of that man, you know, dis- I'm looking now. He's the highest graded pass blocker. By right. Well. Yeah. He he was yep. playing very well. He's, yeah. So. Yeah. What are you gonna do? All right, so we got we move on to the next question. I think we beat that one to the death. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Update on Jalen Berger. I've seen you guys post some some things on the board recently. I think you did something and asked the staff, but give a quick update on Jalen Berger and his chances of coming here. Um, if Rutgers pursues, doesn't sound like they're pushing it too hard yet. They probably land him. The thing is, there's a ton of Power Five schools after him right now. Um, I forget the list. I had a list like on one of the war rooms, not last week, maybe the week before of just uh, so many schools are after him. Um, it's tough to say where he's going to go or where he's going to land. I do like Rutgers' chances, but I don't think they're going to push too heavy until, like, he's probably not going to decide till December anyway, so it doesn't matter. But um, I don't know. There's not, nothing really new. It's kind of – it's still very quiet on his end. Um, it's quiet on Rutgers' end, too. They're really focused on this season, and as soon as that season's over, you'll see a recruiting take a little bit of an uptick. You'll see offers getting sent left and right. Whether that's 2023s, you'll see – Transfer portals mention portal guys mention Rutgers here and there. I'm sure there'll be interest on off every single offensive lineman you think, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really quiet on yep. Burger's end. And then uh, be, on that end, they've already started showing interest in uh, Caden Lyles, the Wisconsin transfer. Um, yeah. Saw a couple or at least one staff member at Rutgers start following him uh, yeah. when he announced. He's, so uh, that's going to be a tough one, and because like I said before, every offensive lineman's most likely transferring up. So. Yeah, this guy was a Remington Award uh, watch list guy before the season, and I don't know what happened this season with Wisconsin and him, but yeah, it was, it was he'll weird. have plenty of interest. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's going to be a tough one. And I saw someone else post like a 2021 five-star to enter the portal, and I'm like, yeah, there's just – A guy from Utah. Uh, uh, would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, or Oregon kid. Like, it's, Oregon, yeah. it's too yep. hard. Like, you're not landing a, a – not the, uh, mind you, the kid's a 2021. Like, he just yep. got there. Do you really want a kid, number one, that's going to probably transfer the minute he gets another, like – opportunity number two like five star like he's good yeah um somebody else or the same person asked uh will ruckers take another look at jojo bermudez i think nope. i know the answer nope um next question from are you are you sojo uh he said compare power five kids from new jersey in 22 and 23 that staff didn't offer to our own commits uh i guess more so of the guys in 22 22 and 23 that we didn't land which guys are because we weren't interested in which guys are because they just wanted to go somewhere else. Um, there already, have been a bunch of 23s that have already committed to power five programs. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just looking through 2022 uh, Amari Clark. They weren't interested in who is related to Elijah Clark, which any goes to a school that they're pretty familiar with down in uh, Woodrow Wilson in Camden. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they wanted them, they probably could have had him. He's kind of like a, probably might drop down to like a G five type school at this point, Maryland dropped them too. Um, Jaden Gould went to USC. Rutgers didn't really pursue too heavy. Yes, Rutgers legacy. Yes, it's probably going to turn into a linebacker at the next level. So, nope. Rutgers got their linebackers and two four-stars in Johnson and uh, Moses Walker, who should be an All-American. We'll talk about that later on. I'm very pissed about that one. But um, Keith Miles, no interest. Steve Angeli was gone before. He was Notre Dame bound the minute he got the offer, even beforehand. Yep. Igbenosin waiting on a Corey Lied they thought was too small. Jaden Bellamy, it's kind of small too, but ended up in Notre Dame. Pretty good prospect. They did pursue him. Legacy. Uh, da, da, da. Nair Graham, Maryland commit. 
decommit dropped. Um, probably going to drop a little bit in the rankings. Kyle Lewis, who just flipped from Temple to Pitt, I liked a lot out of East Orange, but he's probably a linebacker at the next level. He's got a weird stocky build that's going to force him from DB to linebacker almost immediately. I think Pitt actually announced that they're taking him as a linebacker or whatever you want to call it. Their media announced that. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good prospect, though. He's probably going to take a little leap if I had to guess. Um, Justin Jenkins, giant, massive DT out of Irvington. Rutgers, no interest, not committed. Uh, Rutgers showed interest in the Quint Allen, the Syracuse running back commit. He visited. Mm-hmm. It was a last Uh Michigan State game. He came for a visit. But apparently he's pretty solid with Syracuse. Um, a bunch of the orange commits are like really close to each other, I was told. So I don't see him flipping. But um, I could see Rutgers pursuing a little bit late. Brian Butler, arguably the top running back in the class for 2022, probably should, in my opinion, probably should be higher than Allen. I love the kid. I think he's phenomenal at Bergen Catholic. But he's going to Princeton, so it's like you can't knock it. Um. We, we actually made a, a bet at the Rivals camp. Uh, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. We made a bet at the Rivals camp that uh, he's going to end up Power 5. I don't know if he will be, but he, he's definitely a Power 5 back, 100%. Um, do, 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 do. Going through the rest of the list, no offer. Rutgers pulled offer, no offer, no offer, no offer, no <laughs> offer. No offer, no Nelson Monegro, obviously. Donovan Leary had an offer, but Rutgers kind of didn't pursue it all. Okay, your price. Rutgers pulled, oh, and offered and took it back a little bit. Uh, Pat Callahan didn't pursue. Alex Bauman could have if they wanted. It's, yeah, I mean, it's nothing too crazy. Like, and compared to 2023, like, there's a couple dudes that they're probably not going to push too heavily. Uh, Don Shore, they didn't even show any interest in really. I don't even think they offered Notre Dame commit. Uh, Marco, yeah, I thought that was strange. Is he just uh, not he, fit the size profile? That we're yeah, that's for? basically it. Yeah. He's listed six foot 190. He's probably 5'10, 180, 190 around there. So you think he um, plays like slot corner? Oh, uh, yeah. He's a hell of a player. I, I fucking love his tape. It's just a matter of Rutgers is sold on this whole, we need tall, lengthy cornerbacks or safeties, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco, I touched on a little bit before. They haven't offered. He does lack a little power behind the ball and doesn't have the most. He's, he's mobile, but he's not the most mobile quarterback. I think they're going to do the same thing they did in this class and pursue an out-of-state guy again. Gleason has connections all over the country. He's going to keep doing that. I could see him hitting up California for a couple offers. I know they haven't offered a single quarterback yet, but there's a kid in uh, Ohio or Indiana, I forget what it is, that I posted in the war room last week that Rutgers is talking to. There's the kid in Virginia and Chase Jeter who Rutgers is talking to. They're talking to kids. They just haven't offered one. Um, Other than that, like I'm looking through – the 2023 rankings Rutgers has mostly offered everyone, but Robert long, who is a Maryland commit right now at number 15. Yeah. The St. Peter's quarterback. I, I hate to like bad mouth people, but he's just not good. I could see the same thing that uh, happened with like Clark and Graham doing happening the same to long. Um, it's a very early. So for them. It's kind of want to talk about Maryland really quick with that. If they so, keep doing that to New, New Jersey recruits, like at what point do like, they just get kind of blackballed from a lot of places. I don't know it's weird because they have two like they're only two commits right now from 2023 or jersey but they just yep. did the same thing like I, like you said in 2022 to graham and clark and it's like i mean i mm-hmm. i probably could have told you like i like graham actually i think he's a solid linebacker clark i i've only seen a little bit of but he's he's okay like i think he's more of a g5 type guy but 
So I, I think like them not having the tools or I guess like it's like Maryland's always going to know in-state guys better than Rutgers will. Rutgers is always going to know yep. their in-state guys better than anyone else will just because they see them all the time. So that's where it's it's tough. I don't know if they'll get blackballed, so to speak, but I do think a couple kids like eventually like coaches are going to be like, all right, like, yo, you got a Maryland offer? Fuck them. Don't even talk to them. So, yep. It depends. It depends on the school, too, because those two kids, I think, both play at the same school, actually, the more I think about it. Yeah. Clark, or no, Clark plays for Woodrow, Graham plays mm-hmm. for Camden, same same town. But I do think down down in Camden, you'll see a little, uh, little hatred, not hatred, but a little like bad blood between Maryland and them. We'll see. Uh, so the next question is, does Rutgers have a GM type role for the transfer portal? And is there anyone advising the staff on players entering and providing feedback? Um, you guys want to take this? I think we all kind of intuitively can guess as to how that works but it's, it's the same as with high school recruiting there's not like a specific person that does it like everyone kind of does their own thing with recruiting it's just instead of going high school recruits you're just going to add more portal kids here and there like eric joseph is like a wizard when it comes to like knowing everyone's number and this and that and mm-hmm. knowing um height weight confirmed and all that stuff he's he's really good with that it's just a matter of waiting to see what happens, who enters, who's not going to enter, who doesn't. Uh, same thing as high school recruiting, same shit, different day. Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy. Yeah, and that's why you keep good relationships. You don't burn bridges in recruiting because you never know where they're gonna, if they're going to transfer after a year. And also you keep good relationships with coaches because if you want a transfer guy, you could call up the coach, especially if they're a New Jersey guy. Rutgers has a good relationship seemingly with almost everybody in the state. So. Yeah, that, that's where it helps with like the high school coaches. Like you always stay cool with just about everyone. You always visit them no matter what. Like they might not have a 2022 kid, but you still go visit, I don't know, um, name a random high school. Like they have no Irvington kids, but they still go visit Irvington every year, like mm-hmm. multiple times a year. Irvington's always going to produce kids. They just don't have any Rutgers commits at the moment. So I don't know. Talking out of my ass now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it makes sense. So this one's not really a question. I guess one of the, the ballot uh, questions this year uh, is going to have to do with betting on New Jersey colleges. I guess, yeah, do you guys think that will have a positive or negative impact potentially on uh, Rutgers? Like, would it, would it generate more interest in the school? That's, if people yeah, could bet I can see it being a negative. Like, I think the fact that you can't do it now is kind of weird. Because, like, every other state, like, I'm pretty sure you can go bet on the local teams. Like, I can go to Pennsylvania and bet on Penn State or Pittsburgh. I'm pretty yep. sure. Don't quote on me. Uh, you can. I live in Pennsylvania. So, yeah. So, that. I mean, I, I don't get the reasoning behind it or why it was like approved like that in the first place. But yeah, I mean, the more you can get more name or more eyes on Rutgers, or I guess this also helps Seton Hall as well, then the better, I think. Don't yeah. I, I, I agree exactly what you said. Um, you know, when you like, you know, you could have somebody who's a football fan, but like not a Rutgers fan and, you'll see the Rutgers name and be like, Hey, I'm going to place a bet on Rutgers. And maybe you obviously follow that game. And then it's like, Oh, maybe this team's good. Oh, I'm going to watch more of them. Or, you know, I'm just putting an example, but you know, yes, I, <laughs> I do think that, uh, you know, it's, it, w- it would be a good thing and um, it would be, you know, a welcomed addition to it. I mean, our, our gambling expert, quote unquote, um, beer belly Frank is a, uh... He's, he's, he bets on Rutgers. He puts the odds out there for people. They know how to, they know how to do it now if they have to. <laughs> Yep. Uh, next question. Which two or three players from the 22 class do you see having the most playing time next season? Oh, God, all these recruiting questions. That's a lot. Um, I originally, I probably would have said 
Kobe Asamoah just because the guy's a massive built tank in the middle. Yeah. But with Zelenskis playing as much as he has, it's kind of tough to say that because Kobe's going to play center also. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, if the running game keeps struggling, maybe Samuel Brown because he brings a different type mm-hmm. of back to the running back room. You don't think um, Moses Walker makes an impact next year? I think he'll play a little bit, but I do think Tareem Powell is going to slide right in for Fadakasi. And I, the other linebacker spot's intriguing because I don't, I, I can't remember for certain which linebacker has an extra year or not. Just yeah, that's my it. main reason for asking. So we're losing Fog. We're losing Fadakasi. We're losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tariq Maddox Williams probably. Uh, that one is, is he a senior? I guess yeah. Yeah, I, I want to say he's like think, a sixth-year senior. I think Singleton has another year, but Maddox I think is out. I could see Singleton starting in Fog spot just because Singleton's technically listed as a starter already. Mm. Yeah, um, but I do think Powell takes the other spot from Fadakasi. I think they're going to lean on Powell quite a bit. But overall, looking at this class, Walker could play a little. Rochelle maybe if they need help at receiver. I would include Wimsat with this class as well. Okay, well, if that if we're going to do that, then it's Wimsat yeah. 100%. Yeah. Right. Um, DJ Allen's really good, and he could be a pretty – He's got the good. size to play, though. He's pretty, he's pretty like lean. Six, seven. He's lean, but, yeah. I mean, at this point, if you're not creating a pass rush with what you have now, why not just try anything? I don't see yep. the offensive lineman playing. I think that's, like, crazy talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only- um, and an intriguing one for me. Um, I know he's kind of like a, one of the latest commits is 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 uh, a from Hillsborough. Um, yeah. I know I know mm-hmm. I know. Obviously, Rutgers needs the secondary help, and maybe you know I'm not saying he'll start or anything, but you know maybe you'll see him at least on special teams or or you know maybe in spot duty. Uh, you know I could be I could be wrong about that, but you never know. But definitely, but definitely someone on the offensive line for sure. Um, obviously, offensive line is really tough to play right away. You know, especially you know, in a league like the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, they obviously, you know, you, you see the way the offensive line is playing this year. And, um, you know, maybe they can help. So next question is uh, regarding James Franklin. Um, any late flips possibly if he leaves? And I kind of want to expand this question a little bit. How does this affect recruiting in the next couple of years for Rutgers if Franklin does leave? I Like I said on the boards, I think he resigns like a crazy extension. I mean, he's like – Shiano is at Rutgers to Penn State, so it's kind of hard for him to even like consider leaving. But um, I guess if he does leave, I don't see anyone potential. The only guy I could see flipping maybe to Rutgers would be probably Drew Shelton, who did visit during first game of the season. No, he visited during June or July. I forget what it was. What about Amari? Amari Evans. I thought about him too. Um, I don't know. I, I actually kind of forgot about him originally. Probably those are the two I'd probably keep an eye on. I'm trying to think. Shelton, I'm pulling it up now. I don't know when he visited it. He did visit in June or July, like secretly kind of a little bit. Um, and that's like a big no-no when it comes to um, – it's the same thing that uh, – Franklin does the same thing that Shiano does. Like once you're committed, you're committed. You're not visiting anywhere. Um, so that's why it was interesting that Shelton did make the visit and they kind of were like, all right, like I think it, it's like a case-by-case basis. And like if you're good, they're kind of be like, all right, like shut up, don't do that again. Whereas, like, if you're a JoJo Bermudez and you're kind of a little replaceable, it's like, all right, get get out. Like, you're we have someone else that will take your spot immediately. So, I don't know. Um, those are only two names I try to look at. But I again, I don't see Franklin leaving. I think it's all a big ploy. And if anyone's going to get you a big contract extension, it's going to be the guy Jimmy Sexton, who's Chiano's agent, by the way. For everyone that's claiming he's this SEC guru, yes, he runs half the SEC, but 
He also More has Shiano. I think he's got 11 of 14 coaches. I think, I think he had Kyle Flood, too, at one point. Or he might still yep. have Kyle Flood. So it's like he's got all the big-name coaches. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I think it's just someone probably told him. Or he probably maybe he even, like, pitched it to Franklin himself saying, hey, I can get you, like, a shit ton of money out of Penn State real quick. I mean, this happens everywhere. Like when a guy is about to hit free agency in baseball, if he's like a Trevor Story level free agent, you hire Scott Boris. Of course, I mean, exactly. It happens every sport. Yeah, it's, you get the guy that can get you the most money. That's it. Yep. Um, last question from the. Oh, sorry, were you saying? No, no, I'm just getting tired. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We got a lot of questions, and thanks for uh, everybody who put one in. Last question is: Is the NIL a net positive, negative, or neutral for Rutgers relative to our Big Ten competition? That's that's all you, Chris. I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, that's that's a tough question. I mean, I know a lot of players and you know or student athletes from a lot of different teams have different NIL deals. Um, so it's obviously benefiting them, and I don't think it's really too much of a distraction either. I think they kind of do it on their own time. Um, but it's a, it's only a positive. You know, they get a chance to you know learn learn about how you know that kind of stuff works and taxes. And you know, I was talking to Geo Baker about it, and he. He said it's good for building connections and everything. So um, I'm not sure exactly in terms of, you know, comparing it to other Big Ten schools. Um, but I know a lot of Rutgers, you know, student athletes are are taking advantage of it and are doing a good are doing a good, a good job with it. I think it also has the potential to kind of elevate us from some of the mid-tier teams, like comparing the opportunities you'll have in Bloomington or Iowa City or wherever they play. I think it's either Des Moines or Iowa City University I was. Um, compared to like being in the footstep of New York city, like that, I could see evolving more towards Rutgers favor and elevating us a little bit above those guys. But I mean, it's going to only expand the advantage. I feel like that an Ohio state or Michigan has because they're going to get like Quinn Ewers, like how much did he get for his NAL deal? Like 1.4 million. So something nutty. And then, I mean, look at Gavin Wimsett. He's not even starting and got six figures. It's like, it's pretty wild. But I can't see it hurting. I think it's only going to help. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Uh, so thanks for everyone uh, submitting those questions. Uh, we're going to move on now to the preview of Illinois. Um, Illinois obviously came off of a huge win at Penn State in the longest in terms of overtime game in college football history. Uh, <laughs> Illinois, they didn't look amazing, but they pulled off this upset against uh, Penn State. You guys want to break down how they did it and what we can look forward to this weekend? Uh, they ran the ball, they ran the ball and they ran the ball some more, <laughs> uh, you know, they had over 300 yards for the second time in three weeks. Um, you know, it was really a shame to see Art Sakashi go down in, in overtime. Uh, you know, me personally, just from, from a writer, from a story standpoint, I was, you know, looking forward to, you know, you know, seeing Art maybe going up against Rutgers this week. I'm sure he was looking forward to that. Um, I know talking to Noah and Bo yesterday, they were kind of, you know, hoping obviously he's doing well and everything. Uh, but yeah, Illinois, uh, they kind of took on the, the Brett Bielema kind of style of team and they kind of used extra offensive linemen and ran, and ran the ball. Two guys had over 100 yards, one had 200. Chase, Chase Brand, I believe his name is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they've been running the ball well. Their passing game isn't, isn't the greatest. Uh, but you know, Rutgers, you know, will have to sell out against the run and. Um, you know, I mean, Illinois has beat Rutgers, you know, in the last three games, they've uh, ran the ball in Rutgers in, in different ways too against in, in, against Rutgers in those games. Uh, so it'll be interesting. They had to stop the run in order to win this game. So, 
Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit everything. Um, they basically saw Artskowski throw a pick and fumble twice, and they're like, all right, fuck it, blow it up, we're running it. <laughs> and then you keep it, Blamia, or how do you say Blamia, Blamia? Bielma. 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 There we go, yeah. close enough. Um, he basically just put out his formation, and it's kind of like, we're going to tell them we're running the ball, and we're just going to keep running mm-hmm. and running and running. And it fucking worked. I mean, guy knows what he's doing. I guess he kind of knows what he's doing. He got the win. It's not going to be pretty. Which leads me to think this game's probably going to be ugly too. Like it's, I don't know. This I, they just ran the ball down the throats of Penn State, and of course, Rutgers' rush defense isn't that good. So it's it's going to be yeah, yikes. It yeah. seems like Penn State kind of gets deflated after their first loss of the season. Like I, think, I want to say, like the last three times they've lost their first game, they've also lost the following game. Uh, we know that. So I don't know if it's like a like Franklin's clearly like a a guy who goes rah, rah, rah until he gets punched in the face and then he doesn't want to talk anymore. So I don't know if that played into it. His team definitely didn't look prepared from what I saw the game. Uh, like you guys had said, they, they have two really good running backs in Chase Brown and, and uh, Josh McCray. Um, Chase Brown's like a top 15 uh, running back, according to PFF. They both had multiple like blow up games this year against different opponents. Their offensive line is also really good. If you look at, how they performed. And also if you look right into the, the PFF grades, like they have four of their starters have a grade of over 70, which is for context, like better than any offensive lineman at Rutgers by a, a decent margin this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have a really good safety. His name's Kirby Joseph. He's the number three overall safety on PFF. He's a turnover machine. He's making turnovers like almost every game. The weaknesses, I mean, they're really bad through the air. Like Brandon Peters beat out Art or was beat out by art. And that should kind of tell you all you need to know about Brandon Peters. I know part of it was injury, but they stuck with him after art uh, kind of took the job, I guess. Uh, the receivers are also not very good. Uh, their number one receiver is a convert quarterback and the rest are pretty terrible. So. And the, and the, and the one thing about Peters, I'll, I'll give him credit, you know, for coming in last week in overtime. And, you know, I think, I think he might've scored twice. For, I could be wrong, but he definitely obviously, Score scored the game winner, you know, touchdown pass uh, to be Penn State. So, you know, credit to him for coming off a bench cold. You know, he was he was still a little banged up. So, I mean, obviously, you know, Rutgers has played him in the past before too. So, I mean, their passing game kind of sucks, but like, it's this run game is going to be tough. It's going to be really tough, especially like your offensive line. Like you said, did pretty good last week. So, I think they're going to do the same thing they did last week. They're just going to line up. They're going to put nine offensive linemen and say, "Fuck it." Let's see what happens. Yeah, I think the weird part about this is for anybody who follows the Vegas, uh, Rutgers opened up as a two-point underdog, and they're currently sitting as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So that means probably a decent amount. Like for a line to flip sides, it takes a pretty decent amount of momentum, both in terms of uh, betting ticket number and the amount of money being bet on them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's some sort of like metric about Shiano after buys or – Bielma after big games or maybe a little bit of both, but a significant amount of money is coming on Rutgers for this game, which has happened throughout the season too, and it hasn't really changed the result of what happened, but interesting note to file away there. Yeah, I don't understand um, really how that happened or what the hell happened or how many people, like you said, the shit ton of people got to be betting on this. Like that's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of wild, which leads us back to our old question. Get more eyes on Rutgers. What, what the people bet on them would work. Yep. So 
move on to the prediction portion of the show around the Big Ten. There's a lot of Big Ten games this week. I think every team is playing this week, and they're all Big Ten matchups. Yep. Uh, the first one of the day is number six, Michigan, at number eight, Michigan State. Michigan State is a home dog in this one. They're a four-and-a-half-point dog. It's kind of a weird Vegas zone. I'm going to go with Michigan State here. I think they pull off the upset. I think they're a better team than Michigan. And I think Michigan hasn't really faced a good opponent yet this year. So I'm going to say Michigan State ends up taking or has the upset here. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go second. I'll go, I'll go Michigan State as well. Um, I think, I think Michigan State, they can't, I haven't really seen them, you know, sustain drives, but they do have big playability. Um, I, obviously, we saw that against Rutgers. They had, you know, multi, they had 200 yard receiver uh, and everything like that. So I think, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Rutgers played well against Michigan. Um, I, but I, I, I'll take Michigan State, Michigan State in this one uh, with the, with the underdog win also at home. I mean, they both have really good run games. Yeah. At the end of the day, Michigan State clearly has the better passing game. Um, Peyton Thorne has shown that he could be explosive, for example, against Rutgers. Um, I guess, yeah, that was basically mostly Jalen Naylor, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking Michigan State probably wins this. I'd probably grab that spread at plus four right now, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, the next game of the day is Indiana at Maryland. Maryland's a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Uh, Maryland's been getting their fucking clocks clean the last few weeks. They've lost to Iowa, Ohio State, and Minnesota by three scores in each one of them. Uh, I don't see how they cover this spread. I'm going to go with Indiana. Indiana's had a lot of bad luck losses this year. They've been playing great defense. They they held Michigan State to, I want to say, their lowest output of the season a few weeks ago. I'm going to go with Indiana in the upset in this one as well. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm, I'm going to go Maryland in this one. I know Indiana has some quarterback you know, injury issues there they're dealing with um i think i think maryland does have talent um even though they haven't really played well this season uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go maryland indiana's two wins are against their only two unranked opponents and every other loss has been against a ranked one between cincinnati penn state michigan state iowa like ohio state like it's (laughs) they've been getting kind of screwed a little bit i mean i think indiana is going to win this one uh maryland lost two of their top three receivers already this year so it's kind of like if Talia can't do anything, they're kind of screwed at that point. So I, I do like Indiana in this one. And the fact that they're five and a half point underdogs is kind of huge. Like, Yeah. I don't, I don't understand this, but there's a lot of spreads. I don't get this week. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to make some money. The next one, another one that doesn't really make sense from a spread perspective. Number nine, Iowa at number. No, they're not right. At Wisconsin, Wisconsin is a three and a half point favorite here. Again, I don't see Wisconsin winning this game. I think I think I was a great team. They've lost one game um, to Purdue at home. I think Iowa comes in, plays great defense, is able to kind of do what they want on the ground, and ends up beating Wisconsin. Another upset here for me. Uh, I'm gonna go Iowa in this one. Uh, I know I know Wisconsin kind of uh, you know got back to the winning ways last week, uh, but I'm gonna go Iowa this one. Iowa in this one on the road. Um, I see their, you know, I see the defense mix and play. Um, you know, both teams uh, are really good against, you know, stopping the run. Uh, so I'll give, I'll give that to Iowa. Graham Merritt sucks. So I mean, I'm going <laughs> Iowa. That's it. Simple as that. Hashtag go. analysis. All right, next game. <laughs> Purdue is playing at Nebraska. Nebraska is a seven and a half point favorite in this one at home. I think Nebraska wins. Nebraska is also. Like Indiana had a lot of really tough losses this year, but been 
in almost every single game. I don't know if they cover the spread, but I think Nebraska wins in a close one. Uh, yeah, I'll go Nebraska in this one also. Uh, Purdue, um, they've played well at times this season, uh, but Nebraska, I feel like they're kind of, you know, you know, their offense has played a lot better this season. Uh, they've run the ball well. Uh, the quarterback has been playing a lot better also. Uh, so I'm going to go Nebraska. I, I don't know. This is a weird one because I feel like Jeff Brom's starting to get like a little bit of a hot seat kind of, especially after losing to a shitty Wisconsin team. Mm-hmm. And you lost to a shitty – I shouldn't say shitty. Minnesota's like a weird team this year, and they're like up and down. I, but, I agree, yeah. yeah. But um, his only other loss, what I'm looking at, is Notre Dame, which is kind of expected. I, I don't know. I think Jeff Brom's seat's starting to get a little hot. And after that Iowa win, I think he's he's got to get at least one more – decent win and i think this would be a decent win if they pull it off so i am gonna go with uh purdue on this one next game uh minnesota's playing at northwestern northwestern is a seven and a half point home underdog um northwestern is not good we are just worse minnesota's on a three-game winning streak they're five and two on the year i think minnesota kind of rolls in this one yeah i'm gonna go minnesota as well um i'm kind of i was kind of you know I picked Rutgers to beat uh, Northwestern last time out. Um, obviously, we saw what happened there. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go Minnesota though. Also, yeah, like, like I just said before, Minnesota is not bad. Their only losses are to Ohio State and, and Bowling Green. I don't know what the mm-hmm. fuck happened there, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're a pretty good team. They've beaten three Big Ten teams in a row in Purdue, Nebraska, Maryland, who are probably equal, if not slightly better than Northwestern. And yeah, Northwestern sucks. So I mean. They're really fucking bad, and I hate to say that based on <laughs> what happened two weeks ago, but I don't see Minnesota losing this one. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, the next game, final game before we talk about the Rutgers-Illinois matchup, number 20, Penn State is playing at number five, Ohio State. Ohio State is an 18-and-a-half-point underdog. Ohio State has scored 50-plus in its last four games. C.J. Stroud looks like a legitimate first-round pick possibly next year if he decides to come out. They've got so many weapons on offense. I, I'm going to say that Ohio State wins by like 30-plus in this game. Ooh. Penn State's lost two in a row. Sean Clifford's not 100%. Is that the, whoa, the big house? Whoa, whoa, as, whoa. As Sean... Franklin said he was 100%. <laughs> oh, he said he was 100%. But <laughs> also, as Franklin said, this game's being played at the big house. Against Illinois. Uh, yeah. yeah, against Illinois. Um, I think Penn State gets dominated, and I think – it sets up a very intriguing end of season matchup for Rutgers to maybe not get their doors blown off. Um, so I'm going to say, take the points in this one. This is probably one of my, my easier bets of the week. If I'm making bets on college this week, Ooh. I think, yeah. That's a bold, bold hot take right there. <laughs> so, so you kind of stole my thunder a little bit. I was going to say, wait, I thought, <laughs> I thought Penn state was going to, I thought Penn state was playing Illinois this week. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go Ohio state, obviously in this one, their offense has been, has been rolling. Um, I do. I do think Penn State has a good defense, uh, which which they've played you know well this season. Uh, but Ohio State is just playing on another level right now, and I'm not sure where you know the Penn State you know I'm I'm not sure where their heads are at. And uh, so I'm gonna go Ohio State. This this is a tough one. I I don't want to say it, but like Ohio State hasn't played anyone good over the past four or five weeks. I I yeah, I kind of kind of sucks because Rutgers is in that conversation, but. They played Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana. Are they blowing these teams out? Yes. Are all five of these teams not that good this year? Also, yes. So, I mean, this is a really good matchup for Penn State or for Ohio State to show if they're legit or not. If they're not, then it's like Sean Clifford can just chuck a couple touchdowns at Jahan Dotson. I mean, 
could open up some things, but their run game also sucks compared to Ohio State, who is arguably the best back in Travion Henderson. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they have a three-headed monster, obviously, running back too. So I mean, yeah, the, the yeah. offensive line is massive, seeing them down the field. So yeah. I, I think it's going to be closer than people think. I, I think it's going to be like a one to like seven to ten point game. Like I think it's going to be close. I think that spread, like I'd probably grab Penn State plus eighteen and a half right now, but. Mm-hmm. I do think Ohio State wins, but I think I think it's going to be really close. I think this is going to be a really fun game, and it's seven thirty on ABC. So I mean, mm-hmm. that's for prime time right there. So so you said it's close. So it's going to be eight, eight overtimes instead instead no. of nine this time. <laughs> no, they fixed that. Remember the NCAA said they fixed it so that doesn't happen. And, yeah, yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah, fucking NCAA. Uh, yeah, that game was hard to watch. That overtime. That was, that was rough. That was really yeah. rough. So the last Big Ten game of the week is Rutgers playing at Illinois. Illinois somehow, like we previously mentioned, is a home underdog to Rutgers. They're one-and-a-half-point underdogs. I have no idea how Rutgers wins this game outside of a ton of turnovers, maybe a special teams touchdown. Illinois, like we previously said, runs the ball really well, has a good offensive line. Rutgers isn't doing anything well right now outside of maybe punting, so – I don't see how they stop this run game. They could line up in, you know, a loaded box every single snap and still not be able to stop it. The only thing I could see that changes that is if out of the bye, getting healthy, getting the game plan, getting, I know Vedral had mentioned this in the interviews this week, but just kind of getting back to fundamentals. Like how many tackles do we miss the last three weeks, four weeks? How many times do we have a blown assignment where a guy was wide open streaking down the field in multiple games? If they get back to fundamentals and kind of have found some way to motivate these guys to get back on track, like Chiano said, they have the pen in their hand for the rest of the season to write their own story. That's the only way I see it happening where they win this game. I'm not convinced that they can somehow regroup and kind of band together to find a way to win on the on the road. So I'm going to go with Illinois covering the spread here. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Richie earlier this morning about about you know where I was gonna go with this predictions kind of, um, you know it it could change by the time I write something for the war room, uh, but for this one for now I'm gonna go Illinois. Um, I don't you know obviously, you know Illinois ran for over 300 yards against you know a more talented bigger team and again you know, um, in in Penn State so I, mean, I don't see how Rutgers is gonna you know stop Illinois and they're nine, seven, eight, nine off offensive linemen. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Rutgers is maybe a little bit healthier coming out of the bye, the more rested, um, you know, you know, I know Vedra was saying that, you know, the whole team was rallying together in practice their day and the injury was really good, but you just don't know how the injuries are. And, you know, we're not really sure. Um, Shannon didn't really say much this week about that. So uh, I'm going to go Illinois and uh, Illinois is going to win their fourth straight over Rutgers. Man, I don't know. This is this is gonna be one of those ugly, ugly games. I think we said this. Well, I think I said this actually before the Northwestern game. If mm-hmm. they're gonna win, it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be the same thing here. I I don't <laughs> I could see both quarterbacks throwing like two picks each at this point, and like just being like a thirteen to ten game or something like that. Some weird shit's gonna happen in this one. I don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but the spread did flip, which makes me think I'm, I'm a little bit more confident that Rutgers could pull this one off. Now, how do they pull it off? I can't tell you because I don't know. Because this team, between injuries, between offensive line play, the offense in general sucks. Like, I hate to say it. They fucking suck. The defense has been god-awful, too. I, I don't even – I don't know. Like, I really don't know how they can pull this off. But I, I'm going to go on a whim and say they, they pull this off somehow. 
Whether it's, it's got to be a kitchen sink kind of game, like every little thing you got hidden under there, throw it at them. Big punts. I never thought you'd have to get this creative against a shitty Illinois team, but you might have to if you want to get. If you want this ball game, still, you have to win this game. And I think the players know that. And I think they're a little bit confident, and I think they might be able to pull this one off. I do have them winning, like in our prediction that's going to come out seventeen fourteen. But I, I'm starting to think that might be too high. <laughs> like that, that's a lot of points for two teams that can't score. And whoever put the over under at 42 and a half, you're, you're fucking high. Oh yeah. Hammer that under. That's one of the easiest bets of the week. Yeah. Seriously. Like between, I don't even think Rutgers hit 42. No, they did. Yeah. Okay. Technically mm-hmm. 44, the one week against uh, Michigan state, but yeah, they, they haven't hit like many overs this year. Well, they're not hitting overs. Well, some, the only time they hit overs for the most part the uh, recently is because the other team beats the shit out of them. Yeah. That's, but. that's, <laughs> I don't know what the over-under was for that uh, Michigan State game, but it's probably like it was 50, 44. So they didn't, yeah, hit, it. It was, yeah, they didn't even hit that I one. Remember. The only one they hit so far are the two shitty teams against Temple and Delaware, and then I guess Ohio State because Ohio State's just Ohio State. Yep. Jeez. Yeah, I, I hit the under on this one. Jeez. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, have, fa- I have faith that they're going to pull this one off somehow. I don't know how going to be some weird shit thrown out there. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. You're going to see a receiver no one's ever talked about score. I don't know. Brandon Sanders. Nah, That's my prediction. About, he's, he's kind of talked about it a little bit. I want to see like a, a random like freshman out of nowhere. Just yeah. like, hey, hey, I mean, I don't, I don't want to reveal anything, but Shannon did mention a certain player's name uh, very early in the summer. So <laughs> it's a, it was a freshman. Oh, I think I know. Oh. I think I know. I know Richard probably knows what I'm talking about. But. Yeah, I, know I think I know you're talking about too. It's his. This is one of the secret weapons whose name has recently been revealed that hasn't really been used this year. I think I know you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> no comment. You guys can yeah, go watch. So no I, mean, comment. The, I mean, if the offensive line can protect Federal better, and the and you know, and like you know, somebody like Julius Turner can get into the backfield and stop the run, then that's the big thing. If Turner can but. destroy that center, Kramer. Then yeah, they have a he's, shot, he's, but... he's 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 a good player. Yeah, they have a good offensive line though, so I don't, I don't know. You kind of revealed tough. it already. The more I think about it, there's only <laughs> four receivers and one transferred. One's a DB and one missed half the training camp. <laughs> I'm gonna write it out. You guys can't see it at home, but I wrote it out for everyone in the video. I think I'm right. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Might, might have to post a video. Yeah, you might have to just not have uh, access to practice anymore, too. I don't know. It's not important, right? Yeah, that's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. I guess that's, uh, all right, guys. Okay, right? Well, I, this has been a, a, an XL-sized episode from all of us. Hopefully, yeah, me and Chris are wrong on this one. Uh, hopefully, Rutgers will pull this one off, because I think we'd all love to see a bowl game this year. Uh, ideally, somewhere warm, but I'll take anything, honestly. Uh, guys, got any final thoughts before we send off this week? Uh, Chris, you go first. Yeah, I, I got I got one. Uh, Ron Harper Jr. today uh, was named to the preseason All Big Ten team, so I want to throw that out there. Uh, you know, kudos to him. He was third team last year after the season. Um, so yeah, that's another. There's a little. There's a little basketball tidbit. And uh, speaking of speaking of warmer weather in December for bowl game, I'm going to California. I can't wait. The honeymooner over here. There you go. Congrats, yeah, honeymoon man. a year, a year and a half, a year and a couple months too late. So <laughs> hey, it's not bad, not a bad thing. 
Um, yeah, I guess the only things I gotta say is uh, let's see what we got going on. But November second, I think it is. Is that the voting day? Is that what people are talking about? Yep. All right, go vote yes because I want to see. Like, I, I can actually look at the odds on my phone, so I don't have to go through all these stupid websites anymore. So go <laughs> vote yes, please. Um, number two, fuck Graham Rich, he sucks. Um, number three, Chris Ash, Kenny Pickett, yikes. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. All right, guys, it's been episode six of the Night Report podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.